Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of In the Trenches, a podcast about technology, technical training, workforce development, building our communities, and creating effective learning experiences. I'm Eric Ward, and I am joined by my co-host, Mike Vanderpool. Today, Mike and I talk about a very cool project that he is spearheading called the Anthony Wayne Innovation and Design Center. This exciting project aims to build community, provide technical training, and develop the workforce in Northwest Ohio, all things that are near and dear to us on this podcast. This is a great episode. Let's get to the show. How you doing today, Mike? Good, good. How you doing, Warden? I am doing well. I'm doing well. Um, excited to, uh, you know, have another episode with you. you our last, ooh, our last one was pretty cool. The it the motorcycle very, one very that that's like our most popular episode right now, isn't it? It is. It is, yeah. and that was cool. And you know, like I always say, what's better than tech and motorcycles? Yes. Yeah, cool. And the answer to that is nothing. So I'm just, <laughs> just in case anybody thinks it's something else. But um, yeah, that was a that was a great episode, and really cool to see. You know some of that innovation going on in Cleveland, you know, you and I have talked a lot about the innovation going on in Ohio in general, especially in Columbus, right. With data centers and Intel coming in. Um, but we've, you know, we've also, we also realized that, you know, neither one of us lives in Cleveland or Columbus <laughs> and, you know, there, there's need for, there's need for design and innovation and opportunity um, all over the state, right? And so that's yeah. one of the things I'm, I'm excited to talk about you to, with you today is, um, you know, you and I have talked offline about this, but you have a pretty cool project going on, which yeah. is an innovation and design center. And I'd uh, love to pick your brain about that and, and talk about where that's going. Yeah, cool. Um, the idea of this place for people to do cool things um, really goes back to a lot of looking and listening about um, drawing young creatives to the region. Right. Uh, as somebody who you know, taught at a community college, um, has been in the tech space, um, has done a lot of different things, having that more general and broad perspective about kids in workforce and what's motivating them and, and the kind of talent that we have that's unrealized in all reality um, led me to the conclusion that the best way to, to draw young creatives to a region is to keep the ones that you have and right. develop them because that will become the nucleus and the center that does start to attract, attract everything else. Right. Right. And, you know, and you, and you and I talked about that a little bit, right. About, um, you know, this week offline, when we look at, a place like Columbus or like um, Austin, Texas or Silicon Valley, they, that's what they did. It just happened to be, they had a built-in source of that talent, right? It was a university, right? Yeah. That drew people in. And there was already that innovation research and, you know, kind of a, a cool place to be. And then a lot of cool things spin out from that, right? Yeah. And professors and research projects or whatever kind of spin out, but it's because they had that, they had that, you know, kind of critical mass, right? Yeah, there's, there's not a lot of, I, and okay, there's tons of ideas out there, but a lot of the ideas are very similar that people have. Sure. A lot of these ideas are complicated, or at least even the simple ones re re require enough commitment and extra support to make happen. So as somebody who has tried to do things on my own and has done a lot of entrepreneurial things on my own, it's a pain in the ass. 
right. and it's really, really hard work. And having a support system of people who you can bounce ideas off of, design with, like-minded, want to row canoes together, or even hop in the boat with you at the same time, yeah, that happens in a place where you have the energy. And that energy typically comes from just things moving around, people moving around, banging into yeah. each other. Absolutely. There's a lot to be said for serendipity, right? Just yeah. uh, in, in proximity. Um, it, it, I, I agree. And there's an energy there, right? That you, uh, that, that you get from, you know, being in the same place at the same time with like-minded people. Right. Yeah. So, and yeah, and co colleges were the, the natural place for that to happen, right? What other, what other kind of institution organization in the country would bring that many people together from a whole bunch of different backgrounds to be able to just go wild in, in, in a variety of ways, but, right, uh, <laughs> right. but yeah, where, no, how do, absolutely. so we know that works as a model for cool things to happen, right? How do we replicate that model without replicating the expense or the time or, or uh, marketing that would take to replicate a college environment, especially right. in these lower more widely uh, or more sparsely populated areas like you and I live in the, right. the, the you know, the cornfields are the, the corner of the cornfields. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, those places, right. There's, I mean, you know, I can't even imagine today, um, you know, a lot of these places, right. University of Texas, Ohio state, you know, they're land grant colleges. They've been around for, you know, well over a hundred years and um, I can't, you know, yet to be able to build that from scratch today would be very difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we got to find a way to be intentional, like you said, without having to, you know, create Stanford again. Right. Well, but I mean, let's just think about it. Right. What is a college campus? College campus is a place where I have felt, you know, from Monroe County community college to BG to Oakland, to even going and visiting places like John Carroll a few weeks ago, months ago, whatever that was, um, college visits down in Tallahassee, other places where I just checking stuff out, the hanging out in Ann Arbor, hanging out in East Lansing, um, burning couches in East Lansing. Hi, hi, my Spartan brothers out there. <laughs> um, I did not start the fire, but I did see a fire in a dumpster. In there East you Lansing. go. So, um, the, that green space, at least the places I've been, right? There's places to walk and bump into people. Right. There's, there's um, food, usually cafeteria or a student union, yep. whatever space. Hang out. There's, there's all of these support services to right. run a community. Right. And that, that's all it is. And, and we have that in our, even our smallest of downtowns. Right. For the most part, I mean, yeah, there are some one-stop sign places you drive through, but like where I live in in Anthony Wayne uh, School District in White House, Ohio, five thousand people. But our downtown, you have all of the things that you'd have in a college campus, except yep. for some of the cool tech and things that you have on a college campus in the you know right. engineering STEM. Um, right. Any of those, well, and so you stories. have the, the you have the you have that infrastructure, the physical assets, but um, to your point, right? Not not necessarily the intentionality of the the, the learning piece, right? Or the yeah. that that community of learners, or innovation, or research, or whatever. But that's something that you you know can put together, which you know I think is kind of gets to you know that this project that you're putting together is like injecting that that additional piece, right. That you get in a college campus into, 
you know, some of our small towns. Yeah. Yeah. And it really just comes from two things. Um, when I was teaching community college and talking to kids in Northwest Ohio, so I, west of I-75, there's, there's more. Um, and talking to the kids who live out in the cornfield, and my f- assumption going in was that most of them just wanted to get the, get the heck out. There's right. nothing for them to do. But, but the reality was, and I was teaching design students and, and um, a variety of different nerds, uh, engineering nerds who would all some, you just run into, bump into, yada, yada. Um, they wanted to stay. <laughs> and right. I started a mission. Okay, you want to stay here. The future of these businesses that are here, they need you. They just might not, well, their presence do actually, but they might not know it yet. How do we help the region see the talent that we have in order to create opportunities for people, especially young people, um, uh, opportunities for meaningful work and places to maintain, make and maintain social connections. Right. Because that's honestly what a college really is now that I think about it. Right. I mean, it's helping you find meaningful work and a place where you make yeah. and maintain social connections. Right. Absolutely. That's true. So that along with me having kids and, and family here regionally, you know, my uh, family up in the South end of Michigan, um, 45 minutes away, whatever. Uh, my wife's family being relatively close, uh, a great school district here, three kids, one of five or six, whatever it is. I can't remember. Hi, Mikey. Um, uh, there, I want to make sure that they have the opportunity here to do whatever they want to do because I need to stay here because my family's here, people are getting older and all of that part of life. Like right. family is so important to me. And I know a lot of people that it would be cool if we could in our rural communities, find a way so that our kids have the opportunity to participate and be a, in the future of work. Right. Without always trying to play catch up to what's going on in places like Columbus that's trying to catch on with stuff that was going on in Texas that was trying that was catch up with stuff going on in California like right. how do we we're we're always going to be behind because of how things happen on on the coast generally right but how do we potentially either keep pace and or in some areas be able to leapfrog by anticipating maybe being more nimble than what they can in some right. of those situations. Right. And, and, and leveraging, you know, right. You know, 15, 20 years ago, a lot of what we're talking about wouldn't be possible. Right. Yeah. But now, especially yeah. when we are talking about innovation and, and uh, technologists and those kinds of things um, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter where you are. Right. Right. Um, you can be any place. And with the technology that we have, you can, you can work with people around the world and that's become very common. And so now, right. So now it becomes, you know, well, can you, can you get a community of practice? Can you get a, you know, can you get that, that community of technologists, of people with similar interests, that creative kind of vibe going where you don't feel isolated. Right. Cause that's one thing that's hard. It it is hard to do it on your own, right. From a small town because you don't, you don't have any of those other inputs. But if you can get that, if you can get that critical mass of people, to your point, train them up, have them stay, um, and then they can do their work wherever, right? They can, you know, they they can work for companies in in Seattle or New York, and they don't have to leave home. And and the mall, the more our smaller communities can import money, because because that's what that is. Yep. Um, 
the the more sustainable our smaller communities become exactly exactly that's cool yeah so the biggest thing um you know i would like to talk to you today about get your input on because of how much you know you've traveled in, in the space here of helping people get trained for work and uh is the the curriculum yep finding the people i think is uh fairly easy right you can you can get them in with some of the buzzwords of, of what the um stuff we would build and, and things that we would do would be um but we're i'm taking the, the perspective of so much of training now is specifically designed around the being able to use the tool yep i want to have a more rounded curriculum that it doesn't even do a t-shape right it's just we're going to be a flat <laughs> we're a flat board um with what we're going to show so a lot of stuff but the thing that's going to underline everything is how to collaborate in a problem-solving team, right? Like, because every business need, needs that, right? Absolutely. And if we can have that as the underlying part of the curriculum, and then add on some of the technical skills, so you know why and how to apply some of those things. I think you could have some real kick-ass kids coming out of coming out of high school. In all honesty, well, I agree. I mean, and 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 listen, that was you know when. Um, you know, when I was in the boot camp space, that was, uh, you know, as, as we kind of matured our curriculum and our program, that was one of the things that we used to talk about. It, you know, it, we, we think about, we tend to think about this training or whatever as the, as, you know, an end to itself. Right. Yeah. But, but the thing is, is at the end of the day, right. It's here to solve problems, right. Whether they're yeah. business problems or, you know, some kind of research problem or, or whatever it is. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, my, my life, much of my life has been spent as a software engineer. That's the tool that I have to use. And, and a lot of times that's the right tool, but sometimes it's not right. We need to solve right. problems and you don't want to just throw software at it or technology at it or whatever. So to your point, having people that are just creative problem solvers is, is key. And, you know, and that gets back to, you know, like our, our last episode, right. And talking to Evan and yeah. with, with Landmoto or any startup company, um, you're going to come across all kinds of problems as in a startup that you didn't think you were going to come up with. And they probably don't have anything to do with software or technology. They're just something you have to get done to be able to get to your goal. Mm -hmm. And if you can't think your way through a way to solve that problem and, and bring resources to bear, and all you know how to do is quote unquote code or do whatever, you're, you're not as useful or as powerful as you could be, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. If you you know think about the the idea of a creative problem solver, the two uh, meta skills I don't know if that's the right the right word or not um, is the ability to collaborate and the ability yep. to learn. Yep. Like you can do those two things. You can I I'd have you on my team. To, yeah. Today to fix, to solve problems. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think you know I agree with you. I think that's a huge. That has to be a huge piece of of whatever's going on and you can teach the tools and you can teach, you know, whatever is going to go on today. But like the other thing we always talked about, right. Technology moves quick. And yeah. so the ability to learn, the ability to think um, is and collaborate is critical because, you know, five years from now, whatever tool you're using likely won't be around yeah. or it'll be very different than it is today. And, and so you have to always constantly evolve and keep up. And, but, 
always with that eye on we're we're solving problems, whatever those problems might be, rather than just you know technology for technology's sake. Yeah, or not. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So the the curriculum then that I've got designed to to support that this is so so we're in agreement that that's kind of like the overarching goal of what yep. we're going to produce. Yep. Um, the curriculum I have is like a 10 month program, uh, would start in September, um, okay. because it is initially targeting high school juniors and seniors, but right. I do think it translates into, it translates up easily to, to people looking to upskill, reskill, career change, whatever. Um, but at least now the initial target would be, uh, high school seniors into, into juniors. So the first month of the school year, August is crazy for everybody because school starting, you're, you're doing your right. job, you're like, like, right. Forget trying to do anything in August. So start in September and start with two general courses on creative problem solving, which would actually be presenting a problem to solve. So we're going right. to learn how to do this by actually doing it. That will give us an experience right up front that we can always point back to or, or deconstruct at the very end of that learning experience and then have a whole bunch of stuff that we need to learn from that I'm going to, or want to learn about that. I bet directly uh, come up later on in what I've got designed, but right, don't, tell, right. don't, don't, don't tell them that. Right. And the second part of that then is of the, the curriculum in September is user experience design. I think that that is, we, we teach tech backwards. We teach HTML and CSS specifically, because I've been teaching that for a long time. We go in and start typing code. Right. Why do we develop before we design? And I think it's because the term design is bastardized all over, but specifically web design, right? People think that development is, anyway, design means all of it. But anyway, so that idea of user experience as a foundational piece of, at the very beginning, you need to think about your user, no matter what you're building, if it's building an event, building an app, building a kitchen, building a, a collaborative space for people to hang out. Right. Like how, what is the experience that users you want them to have? And what is the experience that they actually want themselves? Right. Right. Yeah. And again, it gets back to solving problems, right? Because yeah. um, when you put together, you know, when, when you're coding HTML or CSS or whatever, you're building something, you know, what are you building? What does that, what does that thing you're building, what, what problem does that solve for the people yeah. using it? And to get back to that, then you have to say, okay, well, I'm going to sit here in the chair and what, what does it look like when I use it? Right. So yep. again, that design, and that gets back to right the way that we have always talked about designing curriculum, right. Begin with the end in mind. What is, what is this thing you're building and what is it supposed to do for the users and then work your way backwards. And, you know, to your point, the coding of it should be the smallest part. Yeah. It should be the smallest part because you, you gotta you have a lot of you got a lot of hard decisions to make before you get to actually writing the code, and writing the code should be just a translation of the thing that you designed, and 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 it, it into reality. Right? Here's this yeah. thing I have designed. Yeah. <laughs> this is what it's supposed to do, and I'm just gonna write this little thing that translates it from over here into into a web page or a web application or whatever, right? Yeah. But you shouldn't yeah. be making decisions at that point. Yeah. And I think that is where even some dis applications, projects tend to be deceptively simple. Right. Oh yeah, that'll be easy. No problem. Every, every, every conversation I have, I love the subject matter experts I've worked with, but everything is a, is a, 
30 minute hour long job and it ends up being a day or two. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's nothing, but I think that might be that we don't take the time up front to sketch out exactly what the pieces are and how this is going to work. Right. Um, and right. we do have, and maybe that's part of, you know, you and I and, and our generation of technologists, we didn't grow up with a manual. We right. just got in and figured it out. And I think that's how we still continue to approach a lot of stuff where it would be better if we took some of what we already knew, slowed down a little bit up front, designed what we want to do, design the experiment, as you like to say, before right. we just jump into the doing. Um, well, and I think, you know, the other thing that we talk about too, and, and I think this particularly goes to your point earlier on how we teach tech versus necessarily how your life is after you've been in the industry, say, for 10 years. Right at the beginning, we, we do need to teach design first. And like we always used to say at the boot camp, if you can't solve it on paper, you can't solve it with code, right? Yeah. You can't just code at things. Now, there becomes a, a point, right? Like if you're a really good web designer and, you're, and you really know HTML and CSS, that, that translation piece, that gap yeah. becomes almost nothing where you can visualize an idea, understand what it is, maybe sketch it out quick and immediately turn it into code. But that's because you're oh. so fluent with the, with the tools that that's where you get, but that shouldn't be how we teach it. Yeah. Or you can use a template. Or you can use a template. That's true. Yeah, but, but hundred percent. So like being intentional upfront about design and thinking it's it's thinking right like that's what it's learning thinking. metacognition thinking yeah so exactly. i used to do i used to do an exercise uh, lab activity whatever freak you want to call it in, in my class um i would have them design the layout for how we wanted to move the furniture and and they'd split up into teams come back with a design we'd we'd steal from each other you know bring everybody together come up with one final design and once the design was ready uh, I'd ask them, okay, so what's the next step? And they were all like, well, they want to start moving tables. Or if I let them go, they would just start moving tables. I'm whoa, 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 whoa. Vanderpool's rule of not hurting yourself. If right. you're going to move stuff, you should only ever move it twice to where it's going to wait and then to where its final resting place is going to be. Right. So we need to design how this thing is actually even going to be implemented. Right. So if we could get kids thinking like that as high school seniors or even knowing that's a way to think i right. think i think that's super powerful yep agreed agreed and and when i was um when i was interviewing and hiring people um for software engineering positions right that's one of the things we always said is like i can teach you i i, I can teach you a programming language i can teach you a tool but, but it's really hard for me as your manager or a team member or as a company, I can't, I, I can't afford to teach you how to think. Yeah. You, know, you need to be able to come in. And what I want is if you can think, I can teach you the rest. The rest well, is easy. What, but wasn't that the, the kind of the saying around colleges and, and, and uh, degrees anyway? Most people don't get degrees in their or, or careers in their degree field, but the uh, diploma was just a validation that you could either think or pretend to be normal for <laughs> right. X number of years, right? For four right. years. But, but right. So somebody with a college degree at least has either found a way to think through it and get through it to where, how can we speed that up? Right. How can Absolutely. we speed that up? 
And I think exactly. being intentional about the design of the curriculum, how it's implemented. Right. So, right. Right. So I think that's a great, I mean, I absolutely great place to start, right. Design thinking and, and, you know, UX. So what, what comes yeah. after that foundation? Um, Web page design and development. Okay. Intentionally starting with design and teaching again, we're going to introduce and we're going to do the design process in the first month. This second month is where we're going to really define the parts of it as part of the design process. Right. Um, uh, getting uh, either looking at requirements, talking to a client about what they want, doing some sketches, doing wireframes, mock-ups. So all of the tools, again, 80%, 75, 80% of the time we'll be designing the thing. And then hopefully the last bit of the code is just, I can teach you enough HTML and CSS to make a pretty decent web page and, right. and some, some color theory and stuff about images. Um, yep. But I don't, you know, there's so much that you've seen the HTML and CSS specification. There's so much that you don't need. It's like the English right. language, right? What, how many words there are and we only use like 2000 of them. Right. Like help just people solve this immediate problem and see if it's what they actually even want to do. Yeah, right. I want to be a web developer. Okay, let me give you a taste of what that is. And then if after a month they decide it's awesome, sweet. If they decide, eh, not what I thought it would be, sweet. Because now we're not going to waste their time and money trying right. to drag them to someplace yeah. they don't want to go. Move on to something else. Because that's, I mean, especially at that age, right? That's a big part of it. When I taught um, career tech in, in high school, um, I, I remember it was, it was a two-year program, right? And it was for juniors and seniors. Right. And I remember a couple kids, you know, after their junior years, they're just like, Hey, you know, Mr. Ward, I'm not coming back and I'm really sorry. And I'm like, you shouldn't be sorry. Yeah. This is perfect. This is part of what the outcome should be. You don't like programming and you found out for basically no risk and no cost yeah. way better than thinking you might want to be a programmer, getting into college, spending two years of tuition and time, and then figuring out that that's not what you want. That's yeah. expensive. Right. So this, that's great. The system worked the way it's supposed to work. And so that's how I approached uh, my classes at community college or, or trying to draw people into my classes, especially my intro class. I was, I was advising once a week, Hey, you got undecided people, have them take my class. Right. And, and I'll help them figure it out, but they'll also learn some basic visual communication presentation skills along the way. And right. it's funny, I would actively recruit for people to be in my intro class and then purposely try to, <laughs> not have them go forward unless it was right. what they really wanted to do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. So um, the, the web design part, right. Get you a taste of code. We'll also talk about Google analytics. Cause I think that, and, and it's kind of important. Um, yeah. And it leads into the next month in November, where we start looking at data, talking about data literacy and visual presentations of data. So the yep. month before we're going to get that little bit of a back end of what, Google Analytics looks like, and then we're right. going to really start trying to be able to better communicate and ask questions about data through visuals. Right, right. Which cool. then that continues some of the color theory that we do in the HTML, CSS, specifically the CSS stuff. Yeah. Um, moving us into a little bit of Excel, um, really, really intentional about what we're doing and building enough upfront to just spark the need for what you're going to do next. Right. Right. So, in the well, and that, you know, and, and I think that's so important, right. That, um, 
and we did this when we, you know, in some of the programs we've developed, build the need, right? Yeah. Build the need and, and start with the why and, and, and go from there rather than just spewing out, here's a bunch of stuff you need to do, show them why you need to do it. What's the problem and then help them come up with a solution to that problem. And I think it addresses one of the biggest thing issues I've seen at the, at, in academia is that of being able to make connections between your classes. You know, I was, I hung out with liberal arts faculty. I was in the, the, the arts and science division, um, uh, engineering folks, cause in, in business, like I, I played with everybody, at least tried to, and students had a really hard time being able to understand the connections between the things. Right. And I don't know if there's not enough communication, not enough collaboration, what it really is, but how we have not been able to say what you're doing here in studying people, whatever it might be, sociology, whatever relates to design in your engineering field or or working with people in the engineering field. But it's because it's not intentionally meant to flow together and work together. Right. Right. I'm trying to solve that here by intentionally showing the connections between the underlying crust of what is the, the, the space of technology and design. Yeah, which absolutely. inevitably I think leads to innovation, right? I don't know how you arrange the words, but um, yeah, and, agreed. And you know what? It's still worst case scenario, right? So as we're looking at doing this, like if people want to jump off, jump off, right? Yeah. Like if it's not for you, but at least throughout the, if, if you have people go through the first half of this curriculum, they'll have a better understanding about how their own data is being used right. and collected. Um, they'll be better data literate just in general. Um, and then they'll have at least a start, a spark of understanding how computers work to make cool stuff happen on your screen that I think everybody, everybody benefits, right? If somebody only does those three months, Absolutely. I think you'll be fine. Um, and whatever or it will, con- it will contribute to anything you're going to do moving forward. Yep. A, well, and, and that's, that's exactly the pitch we make to parents, you know, the, the making software maker stuff, right? Yep. Like most kids, most, most people, right. Aren't going to be developers, but there are so many adjacent um, careers that go with that. If you want to stay in tech, but even if you don't, even if you want to go with some completely other you know, direction, understanding how these things work, because, you know, computers, technology, networks, the web, all these things are integral to everything we do. And understanding them better just is going to make you better at whatever it is that you do end up doing. And to your point, right? It, it's just like it's 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 there's going to be a net good no matter if they only do half the program or if they get through the program and that's not what they want to do. It's still going to help you out. And what we're really talking about here is is generalist skills, right? Yep. Nothing wrong with being a generalist because at least at the very start, it's going to hopefully help you be able to communicate better with a variety of different disciplines or people in different disciplines, which I think that's the skill. That's the skill of the future, the translator of, of how to make the robots do what we want them to. (laughs) Well, and, and this, uh, you know, I think this would be a great follow-up a great follow-up episode is talking about um, you and I've talked about that book range. Yeah, uh, a little bit. And it talks about generalists and specialists and the benefit of being a generalist when it comes to innovation. 
right? Yeah. So we should definitely follow up with that because there's a lot of really good research on that. Right on. Right on. So you know, we get through the data part and then we're going to go right into programming. And I'm yep. not exactly sure how to do this right now, but I think the introduction to programming should be using Python. Okay. And my reasoning is because we just got out of data. If we could do some data and introduce some data engineering stuff, use, use data as, or I'm sorry, use Python as part of just general programming, um, yep. but then start to show some of the cool stuff you can do with Python and data. I think that helps to show, and it'll make sense when we talk about what splits at the in, in February. Um, the, there's two paths eventually, right? It's just software development or, or data are the two paths that we're going to start with. Right. I think that helps them see enough of both to be able yep. to better make that decision. Right. Right. Yeah, and Python's a pretty accessible language. Right. Yeah, programming concepts, computational thinking, software development lifecycle, and we build a, a cool console app. Yep. And maybe, maybe we've got a template front end that they can use and wear into a front if we really want them to. Right, right. Cool. And in December, uh, it's only going to be three weeks because Christmas. Right. So try to be intentional about how things line up at the holiday because that's always something that uh, is a fun, fun thing to deal with in training spaces. Yes, it is. Absolutely. Cool. And then um, in January, after everybody's, you know, shaking the, Christmas and holiday, whatever stuff off tinsel. Um, right. January, this is where I want your, a lot well, I want your feedback on every, actually everything, but like project, project execution, like how to actually get stuff done. Um, broader topics of project management, conflict right. resolution, uh, right. and then agile scrum methodology. Right. Yeah, what basically the nuts and bolts of how to get yeah. stuff done. Yeah, yeah, at a high level. Yep. And I think that's important, right? And it gets back to what you talked about before is uh, intentionally bringing some of these skills together, right? right. Um, it's, it's, you know, so when I, you know, I, I have a computer science degree um, and my, my program at Ohio State was super theoretical. Mm -hmm. And so like I knew a ton of stuff when I got out of that program. I, I knew a lot but I didn't right. know how to do anything. <laughs> right. right. I didn't know how to build software because it wasn't a software engineering program. It was a computer science program. So my first job yeah. is where I learned this, what you're talking about here, this, yeah. this project execution. And it, it, it's, it's a different skill set, but it goes back to, you know, some of the things that are at the beginning of this with uh, collaboration, um, you know, creative problem solving, stepwise problem solving, you know, kind of the scientific method, all those things. And you kind of bring that together into, okay, you know how to write code, but you don't know how to build software. And this kind of bridges that gap between knowing how to code and knowing how to build software, which is important. Yeah, because I think the only, unless you take a, a class specific to it, I think the only real collaborative work that you get in college is group work. Right which would maybe benefit from some of the <laughs> scrum uh, and some of the tools. Some uh, but, of the, but, yeah, some but of those the structure. Are and, and if you are doing group work, it tends to be with like folks. Right. You're taking an engineering class. Who's in that class? People think like engineers. Okay, so you're doing a project with a group of engineers. Right. That's, 
it may suck, but that's a heck of, heck of a lot easier than uh, when the accountants and and everybody else gets involved, right? Well, and it's and it's like uh, it's like last week's episode with uh, Evan, right? They'll come up with the engineers and the designers, and they'll come up with this great idea, and then yep. the business guy comes in and goes, "Nope, too expensive. Start yeah. over." Right. And, and, and also, right. That one of the things that has evolved over my time as a, as a professional software developer mm-hmm. is that the idea of agile um, came up during my, you know, when I started agile, wasn't a thing, right. It's come up through my career, but one of the key things right to agile is, is team makeup, right? So your team, it used to be your development team was just a bunch of developers. Yeah. But now it's embedded teams where you have the marketing person, the business person, you have, you have a representative of all of the stakeholders, you have the testers, you have the engineers, you have the infrastructure people all together to collaborate to solve that problem. And it really helped break down silos and those kinds of things. And, and again, that's like the modern way of, you know, translating code into product. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting is I'm not necessarily going to have that population in through the program, right? Cause they are nope. going to be tech, but the solution I'm proposing is that we bring in industry professionals. Exactly. And, and, not, well, and just, not, not just tech professionals, but have right. anybody and everybody from right. uh, C-suite down to uh, accounts receivable come in and just right. talk about and not, not present, but, talk about what the learners are doing and then ask some questions related to the questions that they would be asking in right. traditional work environment. Well, and we can do what we did at the guild too, right? The, the person who is facilitating this part of the course can put on different hats yeah, and, and act in different roles. It's not perfect, but it, it gives them a taste of what to expect, you know, and what, what that looks like. And, and that's the same thing with all this, right? I mean, you're not going to dive, you know, to your, to your point, right. It's just going to be this flat thing across. You're going to get, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty in-depth survey, but it's a survey, right. They're not yeah. going to come out of this being five-year veterans of, yeah. you know, coding, but they're going to get a really good idea of what goes into building a product to solve a business solution, right. Yeah. Or a business yep. problem. hundred percent. That's, that's yeah. the goal at least. Yep. That's the goal. Absolutely. Cool. And so then February through April, um, that's going to be uh, where there's two different pathways. And I know everybody loves the, the, the word pathway, um, a programming pathway, and then a data analytics pathway. Um, eventually, I think that there's more pathways that people can split off right. into. Um, but out of the gate, not only am I going to be doing this curriculum, but also uh, a team of uh, digital media folks are going to be yep. training and documenting what we're what we're doing, which I think will be pretty cool. Um, but the programming pathway really just gets you through what you and I have built how many times? Too many times. Like the right. first the first uh, um, hundred hours of Java, right? Uh, first hundred and fifty hours somewhere in there, yep. right? And what that that's actually interesting because it it aligns with that Java SC eight programmer certificate. Yep. So three months to go through that much content and you, they'll build a, a console app. Where those projects come from, how that gets done, what I'm thinking is that uh, we get either as a service learning project or something we need to build for ourselves, right? As, right. A, as a pilot in a startup, it'd be cool if we could build a, a, something that we've figured found along the way, 
becomes what we want to build is kind of the, the, the project. Um, right. Um, I lost my brain. Huh. Oh, but having separate teams. So because right. if it's 20 participants and then, then maybe they split off, then there's two teams who are going to compete-ish kind of, or at least right. um, be able to present to each other and, and steal what's good from everybody else to make stuff happen. Uh, yep. I, like, I like that competitive part of it and people working with small teams. I think five, five seems yep. to be a good number for teams, right? Yeah. And, and then the data pathway, um, very similar. You're going to go through three um, modules of data. You've already gone through data literacy. So we're going to do SQL with a specific focus on data, um, Excel for data analytics, uh, data visualizations, and Power BI. Uh, and then maybe a little bit of non-relational databases. I'm not sure. I, what, are your, what are your thoughts on this level going into something like that? I think having them understand what that, that there are other data stores out there, right? right. Um, but and you know, an understanding and, and being able to articulate right the difference between a relational database and a non-relational database, I think is is probably useful. But um, and you know, and I think there's yeah, there's there's ways. I think there's ways of presenting that where. You know, you can you could concentrate on the relational database because that's really the engine of you know e-commerce and a lot yeah. of things, right? Yeah. Um, but but non-relational databases, right, are, are all over the edges, right? You know, caching and and you know, there's a whole bunch of different things. And so as you kind of talk about um, you know, why you might want to use those, I don't know. And I guess you just have to see how much time they have, right? To yeah. see if they actually would use it or not. But I, I think understanding that there is such a thing as a non-relational database and what it's used for and what it's, what its purpose in life is, is probably important to include. Yeah. I mean, for me, the next step of the curriculum is to, um, we're, it's already hundred, 95% of this curriculum is already developed and exists and ready to go. It just needs to be tweaked based on some assumptions and, and being able to respond a little bit along the way. Right. Right. Um, and, and the way I'm looking at it is there's obviously part of the blooms is the knowing of the things, you know, that explain, identify, discuss, describe, and then the doing of the things, right? Use, apply, yada, yada. I think that there's another subset um, that's just know these exist. Yep. <laughs> just, no, I just agree. know that these are things that exist in the world. And some people might call that just in case learning, because we talked about that before, right? Yep. Um but I don't think, I, I think it is just in case learning, but you're not going deep with that. You're just right. staying high level. This is a thing. This is the problem that it solves so that they're aware if they run into something and, and think about that, they have that in the back of their head as a potential solution to future problems. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Because it, um, because the, the other danger is this, right? If you don't do that, if you don't show the other side of the coin on some things uh, and, and you're not intentional about that you might think that, well, relational data is the exactly. only data. Yeah. Like that's the only way to do it. So for example, right, real, real quick, I remember in the boot camps, we started out using console applications and mm -hmm. you console applications to write something out to the user. In Java, you always use system.out.println. And when we moved over to the web, even though there's no system.out.println on the web, 
some people thought, well, that's the only way that you communicate. <laughs> and so I'm going to try to use that over here in the web. And, but it's not right. There's, you know, so I, I think, I think it's really important to give them a really high level view of the world and say that we're going to concentrate on this piece, but just, just bear in mind, this isn't the only thing out there. Yeah. Right. Because so, I, and like you said, it is just in case, but you're not spending a ton of time on it. it and I mean, it's, it's just in case, but it also should help like, talking about non-relational databases should hopefully help you understand relational databases better right, and why you'd want to do because yeah. because relational databases right when you when you look at it there are some things about relational databases that are tricky yeah. and hard and so you need to understand why it's worth doing those things right yep because some of it's not easy so cool so the the goal right is at the end of this entire um, experience, they've got a, a project that they've built that they can show off, um, talk about in a interview or interviews, and the the goal really is to get kids in, in or graduates, high school graduates um, in the workforce as soon as possible. So I'm working on a plan to get um, uh, folks as paid interns. Yep. And at the very least, interviewed with a whole bunch of companies so we right. can help them refine their interview skills. And, and even if they do end up going to college after this or do go work at a grocery store because you got life, right? Right. Um, no offense, grocery stores, but um, or truck drivers, you know, go do right. something okay. right now to pay the bills right now. But you have this as a foundation to, to continue to learn and grow from no matter what you do. You don't, and, and if you do want this to be your thing in, I can't remember what, uh, I think it's in May, in May, we are going to do, uh, for graduates who haven't been placed, would like more, need more help, want more help. Um, we are going to do like a two week, three week intensive boot camp where they just, we're just going to build cool shit, just right. more, right. more stories to tell. And yeah. well, I don't know what the curriculum necessarily is for that. It's probably some, you know, baby step up in topics because we're going to run mm -hmm. into those problems but it would all be just in time learning as you work on a, on a project. Very cool. Well, and I think, you know, the, you know, we should, we should follow up as well with an episode on, on, um, you know, this is a critical piece of placemaking, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and we talked a little bit here with, you know, the, the paid internship kind of thing, but right. It's a, it's a virtuous cycle. It's kind of a, it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing, right? But yes. if you're going to build a place and you're going to have people that you can train that want to stay there, then the other half of that equation is the, the, the companies, right? So yeah. getting them on board and getting them interested and not only the companies, right? Maybe the, the chamber of commerce and the regional economic development, you know, saying that, you know what, we're going to be intentional about, you know, lifting people up and training them and giving them opportunities here. And the more talented workforce you get, the better your options as a business owner are. And it's a virtuous cycle, right? Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta kick the cycle off someplace. And this is a great place to kick it off. Right. Yeah. And if a, a startup is looking for a place to do cool things with some young energy. Um, right. Uh, so that would, that would be like drawing things in, but you know, right. I, I'm, I'm more the, the next pathway that probably gets slopped on when this is successful into the following year is going to be an entrepreneurship pathway. Right. Absolutely. Because there, there just should be. It's logical, right? Right. right. Ide no, absolutely. Ideas will come out logical. of this. Businesses will, will evolve out of this. It should create community of practice and a lot of synergy around 
helping each other learn and grow. Like that's right. how we've survived this long as a species. Like, how are we going to continue thriving in this wild future that's that looks like it's here? Right, right, right. <laughs> the no, flying absolutely. the flying cars aren't here yet, like I thought they would be, but almost everything else from the Jetsons is 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 pretty close. <laughs> pretty close. Yep. Yep. Cool. So well, I hate to do cool. this to you because it's a great conversation, but I do have to run. I know you've got a whole yeah. bunch of stuff to do today as well. So well, this was great. And, uh, you know, again, right, just kind of that first uh, first step in placemaking, right? You know, and then yeah. this is a great place to start. And obviously, it lines up well with our experience, right, as people who train people to be creative problem solvers and programmers and designers, right? So this is great. And I, I think I want to end there with the, with the placemaking thing. Um, I've done variations of this before. I mean, you have two, right? The software yep. guild, that, that's what this yep. was. It's in some, yep. right? Um, I've tried this before in not so great locations. It needs to be visible. Right. You know, the place I'm looking at to do this, the rent's not cheap. I've had people say, why don't you do it in like this church basement? I'm like, this is innovation around how we do tech design training. Right. Um, it has to be visible for it to be, ha have a better chance of, of, of taking hold and being successful. Agreed. And placemaking, um, so important, right? Like they're, they're, if you're going to have nerds hanging out, there should be pizza close by. If you're going to have older right. nerds hanging out, you need to have beer <laughs> close by. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's just like this, I don't know. I know. Well, you and I both talked about this before. There are places that are, uh, hyper intentional about how they design and construct their downtowns. Right. Um, that's really what we're, we have here in Anthony Wayne, a really nice uh, in white house where I live, a really nice downtown community. That's just ready to have this piece plugged in. Right. Which is why I'm so passionate about doing it here. Um, but even if it wasn't the idea of being able to put a spot like this, the, the uh, makerspace, Tony Stark lab, cool nerd, whatever type place, just where people do cool things right. um, with tech. You could just start with that and intentionally have that influence and help design how the, the downtown grows. Right. To be able to serve the population that you're trying to retain and draw. Agreed. So it, yeah, I, I'm hoping that what you and I are able to come up with out of this is something that helps our um, more rural communities still be able to participate in the wider uh, world of what's going on in tech in Ohio and beyond. Agreed. Yep, that's a good goal. Cool. For sure. Cool. All right, man. Well, it was good talking to you. Right on, right on. Thanks All for right, listening. Until next thanks, time. Thanks, thanks right. for letting me rant. Yeah, right on, <laughs> All man. Right. All right. Later, Ward. Catch you later.